small, tiny, all these words that people are using to describe her. And I just, I got worried that, how is she attaching those things to herself? Hi, you are listening to The Rare Life. I'm your host, Madeline Cheney. Today, I have a special topic episode with mom, Emily Young. Emily shared her story about her daughter, Nora, with achondroplasia, a form of dwarfism, in last week's episode. In this episode, we talk all about educating others about our children's differences. Emily has had quite a bit of experience with other people um, underestimating Nora because of her size and underestimating her age and babying her. And so we talk a lot about um, what that's been like for her and her family and how she has chosen to approach it. Um, especially in public with people that she doesn't know. So I feel like this was a really good conversation to have um, both for people like us with children with special needs and for other people to listen to if you wonder how to react to um, people who have differences. And I'll give you a hint. Just treat them like a regular person because they are. I love that Emily is sharing about educating others because she is a special education teacher. So I just feel like she was the perfect person to talk about educating others. So without further ado, let's get into our conversation. Emily, welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me again. (laughs) Of course. (laughs) Um, Okay, we're going to talk today about educating others as your special topic, which I love since you are a special education teacher. So educating someone just makes so much sense for your topic. Um, What is your purpose in educating others about Nora? Um, I think my biggest um, goal when I'm educating about Nora is for people to understand that just because she's small, it doesn't mean that she isn't capable. Um, Even now at two, I find that people think of her as a baby, um, not a toddler, even though she's walking around and talking and communicating. And but initially when people see her, they just, oh, what a cute little baby, Um, which is nice. I know they don't mean any harm by it, but it just kind of gives me a glimpse into the future of mm. what people are going to think given her size since she'll never really be average height. Um, so I worry that people will think because she's small, she's not capable or that mm. she's much younger than she is um, mm. not smart. Mm. Um, she doesn't understand what people are saying, but she does. Right. They'll just like um, assume these things just because she's small. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. So I think I'd like people to understand her better and kind of accept that just because she's small doesn't mean she can't do everything you or I can do Um, or the same things that every average two-year-old can do. She might just have to do it a little differently. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, What does that look like when you are in public and someone makes a comment and you decide that you do want to educate them. What does that, what's like a common scenario with that? Um, so I can give you an example of a time we were at the public library in town and, um, we had several encounters actually to the point where it almost became uncomfortable. Um, Mm. and nobody was meaning any harm by it at all. But, um, we walked in and, one of the people working there had said, 
I think that's the tiniest human I've ever seen walk through these doors. And I know what she meant by it, but in mm-hmm. my, my mama heart, I was yeah. like, oh man, <laughs> oh. that it just kind of hit me wrong. Mm-hmm. And so I kind of walked away from that one. Mm-hmm. I let that one go, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> which I do sometimes, sometimes I don't. Um, and then as we were leaving the same, the same place, um, we were in the parking lot and another very nice older woman just came up to us and started talking and said, well, she's so small. She's so tiny. How is she walking? And so I explained mm-hmm. and I said, well, she has dwarfism. I said, she's a little person. I said, she's always going to be smaller than the average size person. Um, and she just looked mm-hmm. at me and she said, oh, okay. And that was it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I could have said more, um, and sometimes I do, but mm-hmm. in that case, I kind of left it at that. Um, Nora had just turned two at the time, and I kind of could see the like the wheels turning in her head. Like she knew we were talking about her. Did she understand all the things that we were saying? Probably not. But it kind of hit mm-hmm. me that small, tiny, all these words that people are using to describe her, and I just I got worried that how is she attaching those things to herself yeah. and those words? Um, so now that she's getting older, I feel like I have to pick and choose a little more how I communicate with others, yeah. others about Nora so that she can pick up on what I say and hopefully use my words to help start advocating for herself. Um, yeah. So when someone says, Oh, what a cute baby for her to say, well, I'm not a baby. I'm two. Um, yeah or kids at school because she goes to daycare three times a week. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, if kids are calling her a baby, what she can say, things like that. So it gets, it gets tricky. I mean, there's certain Mm -hmm. times I have the energy and I feel like explaining her whole story, if people seem willing to listen or Mm -hmm. accepting of listening. Mm -hmm. And then there's other times that I just short and sweet and we go on with our day just to keep it as normal as possible. Yeah. Um, it can change too, depending on if my son is with us or not, how I react to, to others. How does that look? So if your son's with you, how do you alter or modify it for him? Uh, I think I read, I usually will read him. I can tell by his okay. face, his level of comfort. So if he's feeling like, he'll give me this look, like, aren't you going to say something? Like someone, <laughs> someone just commented on her. You're not going to say anything. And then I kind of feel like I have to just yeah. to model it for him. Okay. Um, and then there's other times that he'll just come out and say it himself. Well, she's small. She has dwarfism. She's fine. <laughs> she can awesome. talk. She can walk. She's, she's great. Um, yeah. So it, that also depends um, on the situation. There's been a couple times where people were a little more, aggressive with their words, I guess, is the way to say it. Mm -hmm. Um, And we both looked at each other and kind of chose to just walk away at that point. Um, He's also very sensitive. So Mm -hmm. to what people say to her. Um, So we also have to be careful about how, how we react um, when he's around. But how have you guys had open discussions about educating others and what have you told him about that yes we have we we talk about it all the time actually um and he talks to her about it a lot the other day actually in the yard he just turned to her and he said Nora you have dwarfism you're gonna be small and that was it that was (laughs) he's like "You're you're gonna be okay 
like he so he has his own conversations with her about it um and we've always been very open with him about what it all means and he he has when she was first born so two you know two years ago he was a little bit younger he had Mm -hmm. lots of questions like can she go to school will she have babies can she get married someday um can Nora play soccer will she be could she be a doctor? So we talk a lot about mm-hmm. how just because she's small doesn't mean she can't do any of the things that you can do. She might just right. need to do it differently or mm-hmm. might need some help with it. Um, so he kind of uses those phrases too um, with other people. And if people call her a baby, he'll say she's not a baby. She's a toddler. <laughs> that's his, that's that. kind of his thing. Um, or he'll just come right out and say she's a little person. She has dwarfism she's small so yeah okay um so emily your blog mylittlelove.net um you uh previously told me that that was inspired by the lack of positive information on the internet when you first found out that she probably had that while you were pregnant with her um can you tell me more about that yeah Um, like, yeah, like I had said before, when we first found out about, um, Nora's diagnosis or possibility of diagnosis, we did a lot of research on our own, which we definitely shouldn't. I do not recommend that. (laughs) Um, I do not recommend Googling things. (laughs) It's very hard not to. Um, but both my husband and I spent a lot of time doing that and not much positive information or um, encouraging information came out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, it made us more scared and more worried. Um, there wasn't a lot of information easily found from parents that had experienced what we were going through. Mm-hmm. Um, so the blog was kind of a way for me to process everything that was going on mm-hmm. while writing it out. Um, but it was also even more importantly for other people to hopefully find honesty, mm-hmm. our honest story, but also encouraging and positive things. So not mm-hmm. every blog post is positive because there are some challenges that we've had with Nora as well. But um, I try to be honest and encouraging at the same time to show parents that everything will be okay and mm-hmm. that there's more out there than the negative statistics and um, a lot of the things that the doctors told us that she can't do or won't mm-hmm. do, um, so that parents can have something a little bit more hopeful. Okay. So that was the, that was the main purpose. That's also how the blog was also how we kind of spread the word about Nora. Um, mm. we hadn't told anyone, but immediate, or I should say extended family, close family, about Nora when she was born and a couple close friends. It wasn't something we shared with everybody at first. Um, So the blog was kind of my way of doing that too, I guess. Oh, okay. So did you direct people to it? Like, oh, it's in my blog. You can read about it there. Yeah. So actually, yeah, I just, my first post, um, I posted it on social media. So people outside of our immediate circle would would know about Nora. So you, mm-hmm. I wouldn't have to have that awkward conversation about it, I guess, yeah. and field a lot of questions. And it was I'm kind of a shy person. So this was a way to 
um, put it out there, but not have immediate feedback yeah. right away. Cause I was still processing it. It was only two and a half months after she was born. So yeah. I was still trying to figure it all out myself and in our family, we were still trying to process everything, um, and help Nate through it and all that. So, yeah. Um, did you receive positive feedback from that or were some, were some comments hurtful? Did, how did that go? It actually went really well. Um, we got, I got lots of positive feedback, both about my blog writing and about Nora um, and about appreciating that I was sharing and educating about her. Mm -hmm. So many people have never met someone like Nora. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm the only mom and of all my friends that have a child with achondroplasia. And, And before Nora, we, we had only bumped into one person, one little person before Mm -hmm. we had Nora. So it's, it's so rare that I was hoping that the blog would kind of spread awareness and acceptance so people would understand her better um, and make things easier for her down the road too. Yeah. And that kind of goes back to your educating even to strangers at the store, right? Where if they are one of those people who are willing to listen or you feel like talking about everything, um, what is your hope for those people and how that might affect the world as a, um, as a whole? <laughs> um, I guess my hope is that the, they'll just see Nora like it, like everybody else. Like mm-hmm. um, we've encountered a few things where, you know, people point and stare and not at Nora specifically, but at other um, little people that we've become friends with mm-hmm. um, just that people treat people with differences not always in the nicest way um and I don't want my daughter to I know it's inevitable and it's going to happen but I feel Mm -hmm. like the more people that understand and accept her and realize that her differences don't really make her that much different than us Mm -hmm. um that she'll come across less bullying or Mm -hmm. um less pointing and staring and people will just ask questions and say hi and treat her just like every other person should be treated. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I also, I like picturing that like, I don't know, as we do educate other people or just help them see like, yeah, like they're still like this awesome person just because they're different than you or your child doesn't mean that they're not amazing and have a lot to offer. I, I love that idea of people then maybe someone who's, who's interacted with you and your family and then down the road meeting another person, another little person or, I mean, any kind of, you know, disability or yeah. difference and be like, oh, they're like Nora. Like, right. Nora's total. Like, I love Nora. They're like, there's, she's wonderful and amazing. And so I, I don't know, almost like I, also just the shock factor is like less there because I think honestly, that's probably the biggest struggle is just being like, whoa, they look different. And so I don't know, I like the idea that the more mm-hmm. interaction she has with other people and, and the other and all of us that as our children yeah. interact with the world that they're just less like surprised to see, wow, there's someone who looks different than me. <laughs> right. You know, yeah. A lot of differences in the world and variety. But I don't know. And kids, I think kids especially just say what they see. Yeah. They don't have a filter. So it just comes out sometimes Mm -hmm. um and if parents can just kind of help them through that and have you know 
help them figure out that it's not such a big deal and the parents reaction also matters because mm-hmm. um, the kids will kids will feed off of that so if you're being respectful and kind and just treating them treating kids like Nora just like everybody else that mm-hmm. your kids will see that too right and that you know they'll just treat people kindly it's just yeah I love that that example is so powerful I think that's even I don't know sometimes even as adults I think sometimes we don't totally know how to act around someone who looks different or acts different it's like I don't know like sometimes I I'm like oh I shouldn't stare I'm like oh but now I'm ignoring them you know I don't know yeah what would you say the bottom line is for Um, as a guideline for showing a good example for your children? Um, I think, I think just if you, if you model how you would want to be treated, I mean, if you were the one with the difference, how would you want people to react to you? Um, It can, it definitely can be awkward. You're not sure what to say and you don't, you know, you don't want to stare, you don't want to point, but if your kids have questions, I think you should talk to them about it, not just yeah. shush them and say, we're not going to talk about that Yeah. and just kind of ignore it. I think it's really important to let them ask you questions about someone with a difference and then just kind of process it through with them. Yeah. Um, just say hi, give a wave. It's, you know, it doesn't have to be awkward. Mm-hmm. Um, and just, I think the more, we can model that for our kids. It's going to spread. Yeah. And, you know, so. Yeah. Like thinking like even with like with Kimball's hearing aids, for example, that's something that really um, stands out because honestly, so he's little too, but he's also doing all the things that a nine month old would do anyway. So his tiny size is like, I don't know. Like it, I don't think his size really gets people, but like things like his hearing aids and yeah. a lot of little kids will just come up to us and be like, what are those? And I'm like, I'm so happy to tell you about hearing aids. Like I, I think it, just right. asking a question instead of, like you said, shushing. Like, I think that is right. more respectful because it's like, it's not when you shush, it makes it seem like it's this dirty, bad thing. Like, oh, don't yeah. say that. That's insulting. Like, no, it's okay. Like, we can talk about it. Um, right. And 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 I like you said, I like how you, you mentioned, like, with the librarian where you're like, wasn't in the mood, not going <laughs> to, you know, you don't have to always be educating, but you can yeah. when you want to. Yeah. I do tend to educate more, I'd say, with kids than okay. adults because I feel like kids are so impressionable. Mm-hmm. So at, Nora was at dance class um, a couple months ago and one of the little girls just looked at her and, and said, and looked at her and then looked at me and said, why is her head so big and her arms are so short? And I was immediately wanted to protect Nora from that. She was mm-hmm. oblivious. She was spinning around dancing. She didn't even really <laughs> notice. Yeah. But my immediate reaction was don't say that about her like in my head mm-hmm. and then I realized you know this child is only about five or six years old this is her way of of wanting to know she yeah. wasn't it wasn't it wasn't a teasing situation it was more just pure curiosity mm-hmm. um and so I just explained to her I said she has dwarfism her bones grow differently than yours and that and that was it and she was fine with that and she was just said oh and they went about their business dancing in the hallway waiting for class and it was fine mm. um so I think kids I'll definitely if a kid asks the question I feel like I always stop 
to address it because I feel like it's really important for them to understand. Um, I love that. And then the next time they see someone with a difference, whether it's like Nora's or not, they can remember that conversation and just remember, well, her bones go grow differently and right. keep it really simple. Right. Yeah. And I think that even could apply, she might even apply it to anyone that has any kind of difference, like physically or mentally, that she might just be like, oh, they're just formed differently, which is yeah. like, I feel like that's a really good explanation for a lot of different disabilities. Um really quick as a side note too um on so we're both members of the same Facebook group for parents of little people um which is how we met I think yeah yes yeah, basically I think so <laughs> um and I saw a post about a parent that was really upset because someone called her child um a midget and people were calling it the m word and I was like I didn't even know that was disrespectful or um offensive can you explain a little bit about I think I was like I don't even know this and I have a child who could be targeted with this so if I don't know just for a public statement can you explain um how that's not the best thing to to call some a little child like a a little person or yeah yeah can you you, and honestly for me I'm really curious so there's (laughs) actually through that group there's been lots of parents that before they had a child with dwarfism, didn't realize that that word was hurtful. Um, Mm -hmm. I've always disliked that word, um, Mm -hmm. even before Nora. Um, But now that Nora is in our life, it it means that much more to me um, that we don't use that word. And that's actually something that we've taught our son too. And he's actually let other kids know that that word is just not something that's nice to say to anybody. Mm -hmm. Um, So that word was used a long time ago um, mm. and it was seen as okay to use um, but the LPA fought the Little People of America Association they fought really hard to get that word kind of dismissed so that oh, okay. it wasn't used in in general language anymore mm. um, there's still a lot of like sports teams and things like that around the country that use it in their name um, and a lot oh. of schools are starting to um, change their names, um, so that they're not using the word midget. Um, interesting. Okay. Yeah. So it's considered derogatory for little Mm. people. Um, and from what I've learned in the past two years is the best way to address someone with dwarfism is just to call them by their name. Um, mm-hmm. that's the best way to, to I speak love that. about yeah. them. Yeah. Um, but if you must, <laughs> yeah, but if you must use a label or, Another term, um, little person, is the next be- best thing. Okay. Um, and there are some little people that don't mind being called dwarves. Um, we don't use that in, in our house, really. Mm-hmm. Um, but there have been some adults that I've met that have been okay with that term. Um, but it can be used in hurtful ways a lot of times I don't know if you've ever seen like midget wrestling or there's been things like midget tossing and kind of sports related Mm -hmm. entertainment um that the LPA has really worked hard to kind of get that word just out of everyday use yeah Um, yeah and that makes sense that it's just it's the connotation of it that's just negative yeah 
Yeah, especially the sense. yeah the way that you use it too just means a lot so have you have so uh, like I said the example I used was a uh, another mom who had their child was called that has that ever happened to Nora not yet okay not what, yet, what is no. like your plan like do you have like this plan of what you're <laughs> going to respond with I I do have things that I would like to say, but I feel like in the moment, if that was to happen, I don't know that it would come out quite the way I have it planned. <laughs> um, it makes me ang really angry to think about that time. Um, mm. And I really worry about, you know, her going to school when she becomes school age and, and kids using that word or, um, you know, yeah. teasing her about her size and things like that. Um, so I do have this plan, this grand plan in my head, but I'm not sure it would really play out the way, yeah. <laughs> the way I have it planned. Um, I, I, I'm really curious what your grand plan is because I think that's just a, <laughs> this is a unique struggle for these kids that have like, I mean, Kimball and Nora are similar in that way where they have these physical differences and, you know, disabilities, but are um, cognitively aware and so that they will. So unlike a child, I don't know, maybe with like Down syndrome or some kind of you know, cognitive, um, delays where they might not pick up on bullying or like mean things that people would say, but it's like, they'll know they'll totally, yeah. they'll pick up. They'll know that people are being mean. Oh, it kills me. I hate I, like you. I like, it makes me angry. Like to even um, yeah. picture that day, but what is your, um, what do you call it? Your, my grand plan. Yeah. What's your grand plan? <laughs> um, I think I would, I think I would just sit her down and I'd focus on her first um, mm. and just remind her that those words are not what describe her and try and build her up. Like, mm -hmm. I think we're doing that now anyways. I'm right. um, just really focusing on, wow, how strong you are and, and how smart you are and not really focusing on her size. Not that I don't want her to accept her size because that's going to be part of her forever mm -hmm. um, but I don't want her to think that that's all she is um, and I don't want her to eventually when those things do come up and kids are saying mean things I don't want her to only attach those words to herself um, so as far as that part of my grand plan mm -hmm. I would focus on her um, as mm -hmm. far as the the targeter or the aggressor or whoever is um, using that word or other words to, mm -hmm. to tease or bully. Um, I, I definitely see myself walking into school and having a big meeting and addressing it head on. Mm -hmm. um, I do plan on addressing it ahead of time before something happens and just letting okay. her school know what's acceptable and what's not acceptable. Um, yeah, I hadn't thought of that. That's a great before idea. it happens, but I, my plan would be to have a, a pretty good size meeting and, and talk about it and address it with the child or person that was, um, using that word or mm -hmm. teasing or bullying. Um, and just yeah. not, not, that's not something that I would let go. Yeah. That would yeah. be a definite educational <laughs> opportunity. <laughs> yes, totally. Yeah. And that, oh yeah, that's a painful type of educational 
opportunity, but really important. And these people will go on and live their lives and that could be really impactful for them to be like, I can't be mean to people or treat them this way. It's not okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so let's just end with how you feel about your, your job to educate others on Nora's behalf and to teach her how to do the same. I think right now I'm, well, my husband and I and my son are Nora's biggest advocates. Um, Mm -hmm. We're going to be her voice for now until she can kind of formulate a way to have her own voice when it Mm -hmm. comes to educating others. Um, I will always talk to her about her dwarfism. I will always be honest with her about it um, so that she can then go and help herself by educating others because I'm not always going to be there to be the one to step in and yeah. and tell them she's not a baby and she can do this and she's strong and she's smart and and all those amazing things that she is um, mm-hmm. I want her to be able to do that for herself eventually especially mm-hmm. entering school would be a good opportunity for her to be able to tell kids she's not a baby um, and she can mm-hmm. do whatever they can do and she's not as different as she seems and mm-hmm. um, so I think it's still my job right now, um, but it's not always going to be. I mean, I, I will always advocate for her and I will always educate others on her behalf, but I want her to be able to learn from us to do it on her own so that she can feel confident about advocating for herself down the road. I love that. Well, thank you so much, Emily, for sharing your wisdom about educating others about your children's differences. Thank you. You can like my Facebook page, The Rare Life Podcast, for sneak peeks about episodes coming up. Next week's professional episode is the perfect follow-up to today's episode as Dr. Lilach Saperstein shares all about advocating for your child using the FIG method. Don't miss it. See you then.